Welcome to Forte Catholic Radio. We are recording live from the Red Sea Radio International Headquarters in College Station, Texas at St. Mary's Catholic Center. Whether you're listening locally on Red Sea Radio in Bryan College Station or Waco, or you're listening on St. Michael Radio in Tulsa or the podcast, or you're stuck in a car and your parents are listening to this, welcome into the show. It is great to have you here. Happy Catholic New Year! Advent started this past Sunday, which is the beginning of the new liturgical season. So we as Catholics like to party. So we have two New Year celebrations. Three if you celebrate Chinese New Year. But I don't. So I just have the two. First week of Advent, and then obviously January 1st. So Happy New Year, and welcome to this season of Advent. We're going to kick off the show today by talking a little bit about Advent and waiting and preparation. Then we have a very special guest today that I was surprised to hear was coming on the show. Uh, We just lined this up earlier today, actually. Timothy Record, who is the director of the new Christmas movie, The Star, that's out in theaters now. It's about, uh, it's an animated film that is the Christmas story, but told from the perspective of the animals in the story of, of Christmas. Perfect balance of joy, comedy, and the Christmas story and the coming of Jesus. So I'm excited to talk to him in the second segment. And then we're going to finish up by uh, talking about this uh, burnout and the Sabbath and rest. Uh, this time of Advent where we try to slow down, where it's this penitential season, and this time of looking, uh, t- trying to turn ourselves back to Jesus uh, at the end of our, our work year. A lot of people are going to be getting off of work here in the next couple of weeks. A time to slow down, a time for family, and a time to just uh, turn our eyes, our hearts, our minds back to God. <clears throat> so this first segment is uh, Stolen Material. That's how we have to start Advent. It's got to start the Catholic New Year with stolen material. From my good friend, Brian Baudouin, who I asked to be on the show tonight, and he refused. What a jerk. He's an avid listener of the show. He works with me. I uh, poached him from another ministry to come work for us. It's great. He's a good dude. Uh, He's going to be on the show here in the next couple of months or so. He's a Catholic magician, so we'll talk to him all about... uh, what that means, and find out once and for all if he's actually a demon with all the magic tricks he's uh, able to do. Uh, but uh, I was talking to him in this last week because both of us were preparing talks. We share an office at our job. He was giving a talk about uh, about Jesus, the coming of Jesus, and uh, the like the Old Testament preparation for that. And I was going to give a talk about the covenants at uh, St. Faustina's church this past Saturday. Had a lot of a lot of fun there. It's Brian Lennox's church who has been a guest on the show before. Uh, funny story about Brian Lennox is one time him and I were on the air together, and then we thought we were off the air, and our last producer Jake didn't know how to get us off the air. This was pretty towards the beginning of us being on uh, a show, and so we talked. Uh, so people right after our show when it used to air on Tuesday nights would be like Catholic Nightly News or something like that. Instead of that, people got me and Brian talking what we thought was off air. We were talking about Princess Leia. If you want to hear that, you can go be our support uh, supporter at patreon.com slash Forte Catholic. It's a way to support the show, a way to get extra bonus content like the ridiculousness stuff, the ridiculous stuff that happens when we're actually not on the air. We just got a new Patreon supporter this week, Mr. Spencer Foger, who celebrates a birthday this week. So happy birthday, Spencer. And thank you. Yay, Spencer. Thank you so much for your support. We're almost to our first goal. Um, uh, We're at $15 a month right now. If we get up to 20, we'll be at our first goal where this show is not, I'm not losing money by doing this show. So uh, we need one more of you to give $5 a month or five of you to give $1 a month. Go check it out. Patreon.com slash Forte Catholic. So back to Brian. He had this great idea that it kind of makes me angry that I didn't think of first. So uh, you've heard of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? Yes. Okay. I heard you say yes in your car or listening to you in your, uh, 
earbuds. Thank you for uh, participating with the show here. The Marvel Cinematic Universe has been around for about 10 years. It started in 2008. Uh, so there have been all these movies leading up to the grand finale, which is going to, which is Infinity War. The Infinity War trailer came out last week. I have watched it too many times. I watched it three times, the tra- uh, like the actual trailer, to the point where I was watching in one room, my wife was in another room, and she goes, you really must like that trailer, huh? Because <laughs> she heard me listen to it multiple times in a row. And then I watched a version of the trailer, if it was done by other Disney characters, just tremendously hilarious. If you want to see it, go check out my Facebook. It's absolutely hilarious. So here's the deal. The Marvel Cinematic Universe started in 2008 with a, man, uh, with a movie called Iron Man. Just to give some perspective about how much buildup there has been for this final battle of Infinity War, in 2008, I was a senior in high school, and I had hair on my head. That was a very, very long time ago. So here's the deal. Marvel Cinematic Universe, all leading to this final battle with this godlike creature, Iron Man, Iron Man 2, Iron Man 3, Captain America, the first Avenger, Captain America 2, Captain America 3. Thor, Thor the Dark World, Thor Ragnarok, The Incredible Hulk, Ant-Man, Guardians of the Galaxy, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Spider-Man Homecoming, I have to take a breath, Doctor Strange, Black Panther, The Avengers, The Avengers 2, all leading to Infinity War. So over the course of 10 years, all these multiple storylines, like their own standalone stories and weaving together, all to bring these great people together to fight against this big bad guy. And I think here's where Brian's genius was. And I can't believe I just said something he did was genius. That's going to come back and bite me. We'll edit that out. (laughs) Sam, mark this minute down so that I can go back and take out the compliment because God forbid I do that on the radio. So the Old Testament, how we look at the Old Testament is that it's the New Testament concealed, that everything in the Old Testament was preparing for this man named Jesus to come. And there are these things spread throughout the Old Testament called the covenants, these covenants that God makes with his people. So a lot of times people think of covenants as like a contract on steroids, right? So if you break a contract, a business contract, you might get sued. There might be some monetary things to break it, right? Or even like a a, a, a a vow, right? Vow, you don't want to break either. There's some stigmas around that as well. Covenants, breaking that is life or death. Here's what a covenant would do. Let's say me and my producer Sam are going to make a covenant. This is what we would do back in the day if uh, we were doing this. Sam would absolutely love this because she loves... Um, dead animals so or animals in general so <laughs> sam and i when we would make this covenant instead of like shaking hands which is like you do in you know some kind of southern agreement or signing a contract or whatever sam's trying to spit in her hand before she touches me don't ever be in my presence again um here's what the the covenant would do if we're going instead of handshaking what we would do is we'd take a cow Cut it straight in half. And then we take a chicken, cut it straight in half, lay out its carcass with one side of the cow on the one side, one side of the cow on the other. Do the same with the chicken, maybe a few doves, a lemur. Like, I don't know what all the animals they were using, right? But we would lay these carcasses out, one half on the other side, one half on the, on the opposite. And what we would do is our signing of the agreement was both of us walking together through the line that we made through these carcasses. And obviously there's some symbolism in this. I really hope there is. Otherwise, it's just weird. (laughs) And Peter's going to come after us, right? So what this meant was we would walk through this together. We'd look back at it and essentially say, if I break my end of the bargain, you get to make me look like that cow. It's life or death. If I break this covenant, Sam, you can kill me, and vice versa. Sam looks way too excited at the thought of cutting me in half. I'm a little worried for my safety right now. Good thing this is all recorded. Otherwise, I'd be very scared. 
So w- why are we talking about this? Why is this? Why are we talking about this at the beginning of Advent? Advent is a season of waiting, a season of preparation. If anybody understands waiting and preparation, it's the Israelites in the Old Testament. They waited for thousands of years for this promise to finally come come true. So the first covenant was with Adam. There's always, you know, like just like if Sam and I were making an agreement, there's an agree- there's something that both sides agree to. God says, I'm going to do this, and he agrees with somebody, and they say, I'm going to do this. So as an example, Adam, God promises that you're going to be one with God. You're going to walk through the, the Garden of Eden. You, you and I are perfectly in unity, and all of creation is yours. The coolest part of that is that Adam got to name the animals. And so he just got to, you know, just walk around. Oh, porcupine. Uh, hippopotamus. I told this joke at, at on Saturday. And a kid raised his hand. There's like 450 kids at this youth group. It's ridiculous. This kid raised his hand in the back. And he goes, uh, did Adam speak English? I'm like, no. But I don't know any other languages. And I'm not sure what language Adam spoke. And even if I did, I would just be yelling random words and you wouldn't get the joke. So shut up. And he was like, oh, wow. Uh, I'm not sure if I'll be invited back to that church, but it was funny. So um, the obligation from Adam was to be faithful to God. And what did that mean? Literally one rule. Don't eat the fruit of that tree. (laughs) Fairly simple, right? Adam broke his end of the covenant. We know that. So there were consequences for it. God was like, all right, I'm not going to kill you now. But what was brought in? The wages of sin is death. Adam and Eve were never going to die. But because they sinned, death was brought into the world. They were kicked out of the garden. They were no longer in perfect union with God. But even from then, even at the beginning, when God is talking to the serpent, God still makes a promise in the midst of the punishment and says, he is going to send someone who is going to crush the head of the serpent and the serpent can only nip at his heels. Like nipping at heels is annoying. Having your head crushed is a whole nother deal. So from the beginning, God wanted to bring his people back into the fold. And we go through this whole Old Testament, this whole, all these stories of these covenants, that's all preparing in the season of waiting for the coming of Jesus. Now, I don't know where you are in your faith right now. But I think it's somewhere along the spectrum of how Israel was for those 2,000 years. Maybe you're super expectant. You're so ready for this season of Advent because you're like, man, I'm so on fire for my faith right now. I'm just ready for Jesus to come in a special way. Maybe you're like a lot of the Israelites throughout the Old Testament and you're like, I don't know. We've been waiting for a long time. I've been waiting for God to show up in my life for a long time and I, I, I don't see him. Maybe you're starting to lose some of that trust. This is the season. How can you add some preparation, some expectancy for Jesus to work something big in your life this Advent season, this Christmas season, and all along that that spectrum? We get some of these other great stories of the covenants. One of my favorites that I love about the church in this church season, the liturgical season that our church has in Advent I love the um, parallels between David, his kingdom, and the kingdom of God, which is heaven and here on earth. It's the church. So God promised David, his covenant with him was that I will build you a kingdom that will last forever. Your son's kingdom will never die. Your obligation is to accept the Messiah from his line and to keep God's commandments. Fairly simple, right? I'm going to send a Messiah. This is a thousand years before Jesus around David's time. I'm going to send a Messiah. So, but keep my commandments. And here's the deal with this promise. The the Israelites got this promise and they know that uh, David's kingdom was the greatest kingdom that Israel ever had. 
Solomon, his son, who a lot of people thought this was about, there's like, your son's kingdom will never die. Right when Solomon took over, things were going really well. Solomon was a good king. Then he got like 900 like concubines and wives and all kind of stuff, using his wisdom for the wrong purposes. And the kingdom starts to fragment. The kingdom begins to fragment into what is eventually Israel and Judah, two separate, two separate kingdoms. So we can look at this promise and be like, well, God promised that we were going to be a kingdom forever, but it's starting to fall apart. And a lot of times you and I can uh, hear a promise from God or hear that like God's going to show up. God's going to be a part of my life. God's going to do amazing things for you. And then we look at it like the Israelites were looking at this, at this promise. Like, what are you talking about, God? Like you said you were going to do this and then something else happened. But what happened with Israel is they didn't understand what the promise truly meant. The promise was a son from your line is going to establish a kingdom forever. Who is that? That's Jesus. Jesus is the son of David from the line of David. We, we hear that in, in, the, in the Christmas story. The son of David coming to be born. In the town of Bethlehem where David was born, David became king at 30. Jesus started his ministry at 30. Both were shepherds by trade. Both were anointed by prophets, David by Samuel, Jesus by John the Baptist. Both were, both were betrayed by a trusted friend. Both kingdoms, the most powerful woman in the kingdom was not the king's wife, but the king's mother. There's a story in the scriptures where Solomon could not refuse a request from his mother, the most powerful woman. In Jesus' kingdom, the most powerful woman isn't his wife because he doesn't have one. It's who? His mama, right? And, he, and here's the final one that just like this blows my mind. We talk about church and we talk about this, this season of preparation, the season of waiting. In David's kingdom, whenever the king was going to go away, the king carried this huge key, huge key, like you had to hold it over your shoulder, that went into the gate, that opened the door to the kingdom. So when the king would leave town, he would put his assistant in charge and go away. While he was gone, that guy had all the power of the king. Sound familiar? Jesus gave Peter the keys to the kingdom of heaven while Jesus is away. You and I are waiting for Jesus to finally come back. That's what the season of Advent is all about. So I hope it goes well for you and we'll be with you throughout the whole season. And we will be right back after this break to talk to the director of the movie, The Star. Welcome back to Forte Catholic. This is your host, Taylor Schroll. I am so thrilled to be on the phone with an Academy Award nominee, the director of this, this Christmas's uh, big Christmas hit, the star, Mr. Timothy Record. Timothy, how are you doing this evening, sir? I'm great. Thanks for having me on, Taylor. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on. I um, have definitely been looking forward to this, and I have not ever had an Academy Award nominee on the show. So thanks for uh, thanks for being the first. So uh, we're going to talk about this movie, The Star, which I saw the uh, the trailer for a couple months ago and have been excited to go see, to take my kids to uh, here this December uh, as we prepare for Christmas in our household as well. Uh, before we dive into that, let's let's uh, get to know you a little bit. We know that you're an Academy Award nominee. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, the film that you made uh, that got you that nomination? Yeah, so you know, a few years ago, I, I had a short film called Head Over Heels uh, that went around to a lot of festivals. Um, and it was actually my student film that I made as a graduate student. It's about marriage. It's about a husband and wife and the husband lives on the floor and the wife lives on the ceiling and they're kind of living in the same house, but kind of never exactly crossing paths. And it's about how they put things back together and, and repair their marriage. Um, and the movie performed really well. I mean, for a little short film that I made in film school, it really did well for me. And I, you know, I won a lot of prizes at film festivals and then ultimately that opened the door to, uh, submit for the Oscars, which, you know, we were amazed and very pleased to see it when it actually got nominated. Um, and so there I was, you know, sort of surrounded by all these famous people, uh, and, um, 
Yeah, and I, I took my wife along with me, and uh, she complained that I, I walked her around too much in her high heels, <laughs> and all she wanted to do was eat the fancy food. You know, so <laughs> that's hilarious. And uh, so obviously, we um, this film was about marriage, and I know that you are a Catholic man, which is awesome to have uh, a Catholic man uh, doing some work in Hollywood. Um, so, did uh, your faith have anything to do um, in, in portraying this head over heels movie? Yeah, you know, it did. The star, of course, the feature film that I just did clearly wears its faith on its sleeve because right. it's a, you know, the nativity movie. But I, I think, well, you know, I'm still at the beginning of my career, but I think throughout my career, whether it's on a sacred subject or not, I think all my films are probably going to deal with some theme that feels close to me, probably because of my faith. In this case, yeah, I, I wanted to present an idea of love that was that was different from what we're presented by Hollywood. I think usually Hollywood presents love as this feeling that comes over you. And I think because we've kind of swallowed that pill, uh, when, you know, when a relationship, when we stop feeling that feeling in a relationship, we think, Oh, it's over. I'm out of love. I'm not, I'm not in love with this person anymore. But, um, my experience of a loving relationship is that you just have to keep working at it and, and you choose to do that. And so I thought, you know, even though it's not exactly a faith-based movie, uh, Head Over Heels, I thought this this is definitely a, a message that I think the culture needs to hear. Yeah, a- absolutely. I totally agree with you. And I need to go back and watch that movie. I, it sounds great. I think I might uh, find it, and me and my wife will probably watch it this evening. Um, the one thing great. that you, you um, out of humility, I'm guessing, skipped over in your bio, was that this was a student film you made while at Harvard. So I have this little story that I tell about Harvard. I was a, a college athlete in at my university running track, and uh, we raced against Harvard, and I beat them all in a sprint. And I knew that that day was the last time that I would be more successful than a student at Harvard. And you have proved me correct <laughs> with all your accolades. You have definitely proven that correct. So I might have be faster than you in a foot race, but you're winning. You're winning, good sir. That's, that's hilarious. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about the star. I've been I've been excited to go see this movie. I'm gonna take my kids to it as our big Christmas time movie. Um, whenever we go home for the holidays. Uh, so just tell us a little bit about this movie, The Star, and how did you get involved in this project? Um, and tell us a little bit about what it's about. Well, I think, you know, the, it, there's, it's always a good time to tell uh, the story of the nativity at Christmas time, because every year we're like so inundated by competing messages about Christmas, you know, come buy this present, come do this, you know, but uh, no one's really talking about the birth of Jesus, which is what we're supposed to be celebrating. That being said, though, um, if we're going to retell this story, we really need to find a new way to do it because we've all heard it so many times that, you know, the challenge really was, how are we going to make this fresh? And so when Sony approached me with this idea of doing the nativity story from the point of view of the animals, I got really excited because I thought, okay, one, I've never seen that before. Uh, And two, those animals have always been there. They've always been part of everyone's nativity set, but they just never had names and we never knew what their side of the story was. And then, and then the third thing that was really exciting to me about it was that it presented me as a filmmaker with an opportunity to use my creative license, you know, to have some creative freedom with it because the Bible doesn't tell us what the animals were thinking uh, and so there's no danger in, you know, in being creative with the animals because we're not going to you know, go against anything that's in the Bible. At the same time, everything that is in the Bible, everything with Mary and Joseph and King Herod and the wise men, that stuff can be what it is because that's not where we're playing around in this movie. Where we're playing around is like, well, while Herod was talking to the wise men, what were the camels doing? What were the camels thinking? And that's a really fun sandbox that we as filmmakers uh, got to kind of play around in. So, so the movie is told from the perspective of these animals. I know that the lead character is a donkey. So as you were saying, there aren't many fresh ways to tell the Christmas story. You absolutely found one because a, a lot of people who listen to my show know that I read scripture in a very different way than most people do. I like finding the humor in it and finding the joy in it. And I think you've absolutely done this. So what do you think? I love that. Go ahead. Just jump in, Taylor. I I completely love that perspective, and it's something I was trying to do with the movie. I'll give you an example. You know, we had um, 
we had to have uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they have a little appearance in the movie, but we had to figure out, well, what are their personalities going to be like? And I was thinking about, okay, who's Zechariah? We don't get a character description as such in the Bible. We, we get little clues. And this is a guy who's in the back of the temple, an angel appears to him and tells him, your wife, who's been sterile her entire life, is going to be having a kid, and you're going to be the father of a son. And Zechariah is a guy who goes, nah, come on, I'm old, look <laughs> at me, you know. And so, and so that's where God's like, you know what, you're not going to get to talk for the next nine months. And so I thought, okay, that's really fun, actually. If you think it, that gives us a hint as to, like, maybe this is the guy who's always, he's the big blabbermouth at the parties. You know, maybe he's, he's the uncle who tells, like, the really long jokes that aren't very funny. So we tried to include a little bit of that in our portrayal of him in the movie, just to have fun and show the human side of these characters. Now I'm kind of scared because I kind of think Zechariah is going to portray me. <laughs> like, dang it, I'm going to uh, relate with him way too much. And my producer's looking at me like, I wish you would be quiet for nine months. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what do you, like, like, there's one example, right, of looking at this story, looking at this, this story that we've all heard for, you know, it's been the same story for 2017 years. So you said you got this new perspective on Zechariah. What are some of the other things that you in making the film and for us as the viewers are going to be a new perspective for us um, told through the eyes of the animals and told through this style of animation? Uh, I think one, one thing that I'm really proud of in the movie is how we portrayed Mary and Joseph. And in a similar way, I really wanted to lean into the humanity, like the human dimension of portraying them, you know, without ever, without ever portraying them as, as let's say, flawed or less than. I mean, certainly for me as a Catholic, it was important to present Mary in a way that, you know, that shows her as Mary Immaculate. But I don't think that Mary Immaculate was boring to hang out with. What I realized was that I've never seen a, an, an image of Mary laughing. And I thought, let's do that. Let's show Mary and with having a sense of humor. So eases her husband, you know, who's got like a sort of a natural, warm, loving relationship with him. Um, and, uh, and I think that's really where it, where she's able to connect with the animals in the movie. She's just a, a person who's got a loving heart and, uh, and sort of a, I guess, an openness to whatever God is going to present to her, even if that's, well, you know, whether that's an angel saying, God wants you to be the mother of the son of God, or, that's this random donkey showing up in her uh, in her front yard. That's how she ultimately meets Bo, the donkey, uh, who's our main character. So I uh, I had watched the trailer a couple of months ago and thought the whole idea was hilarious. I watched it again uh, right before we came on the air, and I was surrounded by a bunch of kids who had just seen this movie. Um, it's our general manager's... Um, young kids michael who's nine anna claire who's seven and matthew who's four and they said they absolutely love the movie they were so excited to to come on and we were or for for me to be able to talk to you and they were just laughing about the whole thing and then one of the one of the one of the kids the oldest michael said that he absolutely loved mary in the movie and he said that there was a moment where she was holding the donkey and that she, that he was about to cry so he goes he goes back and forth between this sentimental moment that helped him grow in his little young boy faith and also these moments where it's absolutely hilarious so how do you balance the tone of this movie um to to go with the the seriousness of the christmas story but also the joy that is christmas i think yeah, I mean, it's the joy. I think joy is really at the center of it. And and there's no reason Christmas and the story of Christmas can't be fun. There's no reason they can't have had fun along the way. You know, of course, when baby Jesus has arrived and everyone's gathered around the manger, we definitely went for a tone of reverence and beauty and just the, the sort of peaceful awe of how something so great could have happened in such a simple, humble way. Um, but then along the way, there's also, you know, sequences where, Bo, uh, the donkey, is trying to catch up with Mary and Joseph, and he has to descend this steep cliff. And, of course, we have a lot of fun, uh, you know, even some slapstick fun uh, going down that cliff with Bo. And I guess, uh, you know, it's, 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 you don't want to just have one tone uh, or, or at least one type of scene throughout the movie. You know, we, we want to have ups and downs and some fun and some scares, you know, uh, so that the movie is kind of always offering something new to the audience. So I have some uh, some questions here from Michael and Anna Claire. 
our our friendly nine nine and seven year olds who are sitting out right right outside the studio right now. They want to ask. These are the tough questions. I'm not a big J journalist, but these kids are. Why? <laughs> okay. Why is the main character a donkey? Again, not my question. Michael's question. The nine year old. Why is the main character a donkey? Well, obviously, you know we've gotten used to this image of Mary and Joseph kind of cresting the hill and seeing a little town of Bethlehem in front of them and Mary sitting on a donkey, right? So, I mean, really the core question that got this whole movie started was, who's that donkey? And how did he end up being the one? Um, And I I love the image of a donkey, frankly, because it's, you know, it's, it's, they serve, they, you know, a donkey, what's a donkey good for? It's good for carrying things. It's, you know, and uh, in a lot of ways that, um, is a good metaphor for how we should relate to our Lord. You know, we, we, we're just a dumb little donkey by, by Jesus's side, just here to kind of do what he wants us to do and to be helpful in whatever way we can. It's not about making us, you know, look grand and big. No, we're just a little donkey that's helping him out. <laughs> you said dumb donkey, and I just had to think of something else that's very similar to that. Uh, yeah. you, you didn't say it, neither did I, so it's okay. But uh, I love how you bring together <laughs> this this balance of joy and the peace and reverence that you've been sharing about, because I think that's what Christmas is all about. That's what our faith is all about. When, we, when I think about the Christmas season, I think about the joy of, of receiving presents when I was a little kid. Now the joy of spending time with my family, traveling to see them. But then also like the Christmas Mass or the Christmas Eve Mass and this Advent season where it is this time to slow down, to find this peace and to give our reverence back to God. So I think you've captured this Christmas season perfectly. And I hope that people go and, and see this movie. It's in theaters now. It came out a couple of weeks ago uh, the, in the middle of November. And I, I truly hope to that, uh, that people here in the Bryan College Station area and in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and, we'll, and those listening on the podcast will go and check out this movie. Before we, before we leave, we have to talk about this cast that you pulled together, man. This is ridiculous. Oprah Winfrey, Tyler Morgan, or, uh, T- uh, Tracy Morgan, Tyler Perry all play camels. Patricia Heaton plays mm-hmm. a cow. Kelly Clarkson's a horse. Keegan-Michael Key is some kind of bird. Zachary Levi plays Joseph. Like The list goes on and on. Highly diverse. There's comedians, actors, singers, thespians. How did you get all these people to come on board from different backgrounds, different belief systems, and put together this beautiful Christmas story? Honestly, I wish I knew because I'd love to do that again. <laughs> the, the weird thing was we we made our lists. You know, here's okay, our first choice. Let's shoot for the moon. Let's you know, let's put that person on the list. And then we'll have our second and third choices. You know, because inevitably they're going to say no. And we just kept going out, and people were saying yes, and we're like, oh, okay, great. Well, next one, and we just kept getting yeses all the way down the line. And obviously, we were thrilled. I wish I could explain why, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I all I can say is I guess people were attracted to the idea of doing the nativity story in a way that was also entertaining. That's I, I, I looked at the list and that just made me more excited than anything. I love so many of those actors and comedians. Uh, it's one of the, one of the big pulls for the story. Um, before we had our, our separate ways after spending this time together, I have to ask, because as I told you, I was talking to these to these kids who just watched the movie with their grandparents. Their parents were were in the room and talking about this movie. We're having a conversation about what are the things that stuck out to them? What should I ask you? Um, and I think that you that you want this movie to be a conversation starter. So what do you hope the conversation is like in the car driving home from the theater after people watch this movie together as a family this Christmas season? I think I think the movie invites us to ask, what does Christmas mean for me and my vocation? Like the fact that that God chose to do such a great thing in such a humble way, what does that mean for me? Because I think we all want to do something important with our lives, but most of us aren't going to get rich and famous doing whatever that is. So I think it's it's an invitation to consider how God is asking us to do something great in a way that maybe doesn't look so great on the outside. Even if that's the you know for the fourth grader doing math homework, <laughs> hey, it doesn't look great on the outside, but if that's what God's calling you to do, that's where your vocation is right now. And and the final thing, we've been talking, you know, we've been talking about how I was talking to the kids about this. I watch animated stuff all the time. Animation's not just for kids anymore. There are dozens of of television shows and movies that are animated for adults. Um, so why should adults go see this film as well? Um, maybe apart from if they don't have kids. 
Well, for one, I think it's really funny. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a kid. I, I, uh, I love the com- comedy of Keegan-Michael Key in this movie. And uh, <laughs> I mean, just we're drawing on so many uh, things that I think a lot of adults love. A lot of Looney Tunes, Three Stooges, uh, just the kind of the, the old comedy greats that I love and wanted to see in this movie as well. But maybe more importantly than that, I think uh, the, the human dimension of the nativity comes to life in this movie in a way that we haven't really seen before. Um, and I, and I, I think that, that there's an opportunity there, especially for people of faith to kind of feel like they're getting to know and getting to spend a little bit of time with the Holy family in a personal way. Well, Timothy, thanks for coming on to talk to us about this movie, sharing about uh, what the movie is about and what you want to see from it. Uh, Again, I hope people go check out the movie. Uh, It is playing right now in your local theater. Uh, Timothy, how can people uh, follow up more uh, to get more information about the show? We have a website for the movie, thestarmovie.com, and you can actually order tickets on that website right there. There's also plenty of activities for the kids on the same website, thestarmovie.com. That's perfect. Timothy, God bless you. Thanks for coming on, and thank you so much for making this movie. Guys, we will be right back with our final segment for the day. All right, we are back for our final segment of Forte Forte Catholic for the day. I almost said four-day Catholic. I'm very tired. I have a one-month-old at home who didn't let me sleep much last night. It's one of those nights where, like, she didn't cry throughout the night. She just made a noise every 15 minutes to where I just was constantly awake. I'm like, ugh, why are you so cute and annoying? Just like your mom. (laughs) Oh, man, I'm going to pay for that joke. Worth it. Okay, so here's what we're doing. We're talking uh, today about kicking off the season of Advent. Uh, I, I, I love the season of Advent. It's one of my favorite seasons. We get to sing O Come, O Come, Emmanuel every week. It's my favorite song that we sing in church all year. And I get to do like all eight verses. It just makes me so very happy on the inside. Another thing that's great about this Advent season is that it gives us a time to refocus, a time to relax, a time to rest, a time for family. So uh, there was this um, workshop that I went to a couple of weeks ago. It was specifically on the Sabbath. It was called Sabbath Sabotage. Say that five times fast. Ready, set, go. Sabbath Sabotage, Sabbath Sabotage, Sabbath Sabotage, Sabbath Sabotage. I sound like a rapper or like Siri or something. Oh, man. I'm going to like make Siri say that a bunch of different times. That'll be fun. So Sabbath Sabotage was all about the commandment to keep the Sabbath holy, right? What is the Sabbath for? The Sabbath is not for God, but it's for man. God didn't need to rest. He has unlimited energy, but he did it for to show us that we needed to rest, to set this day apart for God, for family. So that's like the, you know, we're supposed to do that once a week, right? Typically it's on Sunday, but I love this season of advent because it's kind of like a month-long sabbath right a lot of us get off of work for longer than normal get a week or two off some days off or whatever things slow down you get to spend some time with family get a, get away from our norm right so what does it mean to to look at the sabbath or to live out the sabbath is that's one thing that we're going to talk about we're going to talk about um burnout and see if, are you burning out in your faith, in your job, in your relationships? Um, we have a burnout checklist that we're going to go through just to kind of get, uh, take a self-evaluation, uh, take stock of where you are, um, and, and, and just for you to see where you can take that. Take that to prayer this Advent. I know that a lot of people, you know, do something special for Lent, give up something for Lent or that sort of thing, right? Um, I want to use this checklist this little calculator thing to give you an idea of what you can do this Advent to prepare for Jesus to come into your heart in a new, in a new revitalized, special way by taking some time away to rest with him. <clears throat> so what does Sabbath mean? Sabbath means we're supposed to keep the Sabbath holy, right? The word holy means set apart. 
So the Sabbath is a day that is to be set apart. It's supposed to look different than your normal day. A lot for a lot of people, you work five days a week. You have one day to like, you know, do family stuff, to take care of things, to mow the lawn, to go to Kroger, you know, all that, all that stuff, right? Then we're supposed to have one day that's for prayer, for family, for rest. Um, some of us struggle with that. <laughs> some of us are very busy. Um, I, I speak for myself. I speak for probably a lot of you where it's hard to take a whole full day off of work or off of, uh, uh, family, uh, commitments. Right. So one thing that this, that these guys were saying was absolutely try for the best, try for that one day and also find Sabbath moments within your day for rest, for devotion and for celebration of your faith. Um, we have a, a new baby priest here in the area, Father Jared, who's been a priest since this summer. He's at uh, at St. Joseph's Church here in Bryan, my home parish. He's going to be on the show actually in a couple of weeks. We're excited for that. One of the things that I love that he says at the beginning of almost every one of his ho- every one of his homilies, whether it's daily mass or Sunday mass, he always says, "Thank you for being here. Thank you for making Jesus a priority in your day." And and I love that he says that. Because that's what we're doing when, when we go to Mass, when we take that 30 minutes of daily Mass or whatever, or we take that hour on Sunday to just slow down, to put Jesus first for that hour, for that 30 minutes. And a lot of times, especially um, if it's in the, like after the workday, right? I know a lot of people like to go to daily Mass or stop by adoration on the way home from work. So they worked all day, and they take a few minutes to just stop to pray to relax, and then they go home and do all the family stuff or, or whatever they need to do the rest of the day. Um, so I think a lot of us are busy, and because of that, we can get burnt out. So the first thing to understand about burnout is don't underestimate it. Burnout's real. There was this, uh, this case study that we went through in this Sabbath sabotage uh, workshop. It was about this guy who his job, he worked in ministry. He was very good at it, um, continued like growing in the ranks, getting a larger, uh, you know, growing the congregation, moving to a larger church with larger reach, being able to do um, minister to more people, was starting music ministries, was doing great things. And so we did this case study of like the first two pages, like he was doing great. And he was including his family, blah, 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 right? We did a second case study on the same guy at the end of the day where he got so involved with his work that he started like like losing focus on his work. Like he was still at work all the time, but wasn't as passionate about it anymore. And then ultimately, he was the pastor of this huge, huge church. And then uh, he's a Protestant church. He pastored this huge, huge, huge church and his wife had just had enough after 25 years of him like putting his work, putting his ministry above everything. And then they ended up getting a divorce. And like that, I mean, like his whole life just crumbled because of that, right? And there were all these signs throughout his story that he was burning out, that he wasn't balancing his life, that he wasn't spending enough time with his wife, with his kids. He wasn't, you know, like uh, having this balance that we talk about so often on the show. So how can you and I avoid that? Don't underestimate it. If you're burnt out, you got to do something about it. How can you make a change in your life? How can you um, uh, reprioritize? And I think this Advent season is a great way to do a great time to do that. Uh, number two, if you're having these times where you're feeling burnt out, where you don't want to do anything, have a go-to prayer, a go-to scripture, a go-to song, a go-to place to pray, where you can go to that place. You can you can take yourself to that place, whether it's a song, you know, listening in your car, whatever so that you can refocus and recenter. I think one of the things that I've shared on the air before, but I'll share again is like, I have this watch that, that uh, will buzz every few hours throughout the day. Just remind me to, to refocus my day, to take, you know, 30 seconds to pray like at, at, at noon to say the Angelus at three o'clock, just at the, the hour that Jesus died, just to say thank you to Jesus for his sacrifice. And then at six o'clock to pray for my godchildren. It's just these, So like in the middle of what I'm doing, my watch just kind of buzzes on my arm and I could be in the middle of something, middle of working, and I can just take this, okay, just stop, 
rest, relax, have this little 30-second Sabbath moment of resting with God, and then I'm able to just go about my day from there. And then the, finally, the big thing, especially when we're burnt out, and even if we're burnt out in our faith, we're like, we're like, we don't want to pray anymore. It's become a drudge to go to mass. Don't be afraid to ask for what you want. If you want to not feel burnt out anymore, ask for what you want. God, what do you want for me? I know that I can't keep doing this. How can you help me fix this? God, I want my marriage to improve. That's what I want. Help me. God, I want things at work to be not as stressful. Like ask for what you want, especially in those hard times, because God's a good father that wants to help you. Um, so what is burnout? Let's, let's go there uh, now. Burnout is a great definition that we got from the session is when your mind, body, and soul are not aligned with God's vision for your life. When your mind, body, and soul are not aligned with God's vision for your life. God made us body, soul, mind. He made all of us one. So in, in this, in, if uh, one of those is, uh, is out of whack, the whole thing will start being out of whack. So for this guy who was in ministry, if he's, not, if he's uh, preparing his mind to preach, he's preparing his body by getting sleep, but he's not preparing his soul, he's not taking that time to pray, then his ministry is going to begin to fall apart. If he's taking care of his mind, preparing, and he's praying, taking care of his soul, but he's not taking care of his body, I think in the story he was starting to have heart problems because he was so stressed out and what didn't have time to take care of his body. I'm like, oh man, I can see that. I haven't been getting a little chubby. You know, like I need to, I need to relook at some of these things to get a little bit more balance in my life. So we're going to look at this burnout checklist and here's what I want you to do. I'm going to give you, I'm just going to kind of read through this. And if you're driving, I want you to hit pause uh, and start listening to this again when you have a time to write this down. All you have to write down is the number. I'm going to ask you a question. You write down the number. So what we're doing is reviewing the last 12 months of your total life, work, social situations, family, recreation, everything. You're going to reflect on the following questions that I'm going to read for you and rate the amount of change that has occurred in that period from one to five. One, little to no change. Two is just noticeable change. Three is noticeable change. Four is a fair degree of change. And five is a great degree of change. So one through five, little change all the way up to little or no change all the way up to great degree of change. One, two, three, four, and five. Um, more emphasis should be placed on the, on the change that's occur, occurred in the last six months. Be honest with yourself. You're writing this down. I'm not going to see it. You're, nobody else is going to see it. It's just going to be a list of numbers to them. So again, before we start, one is little to no change. Two is just noticeable change. Three is noticeable change. Four is fair degree of change. And five is great degree of change. So I'm going to go through this fairly quickly. If you, uh, if I'm going too fast for you, just hit rewind on the podcast. Check out the podcast, fortecatholic.com slash radio. All right. Do you become more fatigued, tired, or worn out by the end of the day? How much change in that in the last six months to a year? Have you lost interest in your present work? Have you lost ambition in your overall career? Do you find yourself becoming easily bored by spending long hours with nothing significant to do? Do you find that you've become more pessimistic, critical, or cynical of yourself or others? Do you forget appointments, deadlines, or activities and do not feel concerned about it? Do you spend more time alone, withdrawn from friends, family, and work acquaintances? Has any increase occurred in your general level of irritability, hostility, or aggressiveness? Has your sense of humor become less obvious to yourself or others? Do you become sick more easily, the flu, cold, pain problems? Do you experience headaches more than usual? Do you suffer from gastrointestinal problems, stomach pains? Do you wake up feeling extremely tired and exhausted most mornings? Do you find that you deliberately try to avoid people you previously did not mind being around? Has there been a lessening in your uh, romantic relationships with your wife, husband, girlfriend, boyfriend? 
Do you find that you now tend to treat people as impersonal objects or with a fair degree of callousness? A couple more. Do you feel you are not accomplishing anything worthwhile in your work and that you are ineffective in making any changes? Do you feel that you are not accomplishing anything worse, worthwhile in your personal life or you have lost spontaneity in your activities? Do you spend much time each day thinking or worrying about your job or people, future or past? And finally, are you at the end of your tether, the point of breaking down or cracking up? And here's what I want you to do. I'm going to get, uh, as I uh, talk about this, add up your score, add up all of those numbers. And what we're going to do is I'm going to give you kind of the range and, and, and this, this, uh, this test kind of gives you where you are and what you can do about it. Um, so none of this obviously is full, foolproof or 100% accurate. Um, but this is your assessment of how burnt out you are. Um, no matter, uh, what your answer is, if you need some help, uh, talk to somebody, uh, maybe a, a doctor, a spiritual counselor, a personal advisor about all of this. Um, the first step towards relief from burnout is to acknowledge without being, reje- without being self-rejecting that you have an issue. So here's the deal. If you calculated it up and it's 20 to 30, in the range of 20 to 30, there's no burnout. And you may be taking your life or work too casually. I love that answer. I kind of wish that's where I was, but that's not where I am. Uh, so if you are, are between 20 and 30, uh, it might be t- the, this advent might be a time to take things a little bit more seriously. Uh, 31 to 45, this is a normal score for anyone who works hard and seriously, relax periodically. So that's your, that you're doing good. This is kind of where we want to be. Uh, just take some time to relax periodically, enjoy your holidays. Uh, 46 to 60, which is where I was when I took this a couple weeks ago, you are experiencing some mild burnout and could benefit from careful review of your lifestyle. So taking this Advent season, just take stock. How am I balancing these things? Where do I need to put more emphasis? What do I need to cut out of my life? Uh, if you're at 61 to 75, you are beginning to experience burnout Take steps to better control your life. This might be helpful to have one of those those spiritual guides uh, to help you out in that. Uh, 76 to 90, you're burning out. You're at the end of your rope. You should seek help, reevaluate your present life, and possibly make some big changes. And then 90 or higher, you are dangerously burned out and need immediately re- immediate relief. Your burnout is threatening your physical or mental well-being. So, um, I know that's not the most thrilling radio in the world, but I hope it's beneficial. I hope that you're, you're able to, to go through this. If you missed it, if you're listening live, you want to go back through it, uh, you can do that on the podcast. You can find it on, on iTunes, SoundCloud, any podcasting service, um, or go to ForteCatholic.com slash radio, F-O-R-T-E Catholic.com slash radio. I'll also post a picture of this test in the show notes so you can see it uh, with your eyes if you would like to do that. As well. So, what I hope that this Advent is for you is a time to reevaluate your life, reevaluate where you are spiritually, um, and, and look to make some changes, some minor changes, some big changes, and just really reconnect with the Lord. I'm going to be looking to do the same thing. I love these uh, these seasons that the church gives us. Uh, so, thank you for listening today. I am Taylor Stroll, your host. Check us out, ForteCatholic.com. I'm currently booking events for parishes and diocesan events right now for 2018. ForteCatholic.com slash radio. We'll be be back next week. See you.